This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. Welcome to Hitting the Mark, which is now a regular show coming to you every second Friday, so be on the lookout. Today is all about personalization, so much so that this episode is catered to one of my favorite things to do when I'm not busy running my brand consultancy, and that is snowboarding. In fact, I just came back from beautiful Mammoth Mountain here in California, where they, as of February 25th, received a whooping 562 inches of snow. That's more than 46 feet. Or, for our many international listeners, it is over 14 meters of snow. But I'm just as happy to be back at the office, since today I'm joined by Mark Wallace, co-founder of Parler, a custom ski brand from New England. From the first time his mother carried him down the bunny slope, skiing has been the driving force in Mark's life. It took him from Saddleback to Park City and then all over the world as he lived the dream as a semi-pro ski racer. Mark learned the nuances of ski building during a job at a Boston construction firm, dedicating countless hours during nights and weekends. He started parlor with two friends in an abandoned funeral parlor in Cambridge, hence the name. Over years and many late nights honing the science and art of ski building, fueled by desire beverages and the most delicious pizza in all of Boston, Parler Skis was born. Welcome to the show, Mark. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. It just occurred to me that even though we're only 11 episodes into hitting the mark, you're the second mark I'm having on the show. And I totally don't believe that this is by accident. Just like there's an unusual amount of dentists called Dennis, women named Louise that are more likely to move to Louisiana, and running my consultancy, Finian, with a name like Fabian. It seems like naming has a bigger subliminal impact than we thought. But sorry about my detour. I'm very happy to have another mark on hitting the mark. So tell us a little bit about Parlor skis, how it started, why you love what you do, and more importantly, why do your customers love what you do? Absolutely. So uh, you hit on some of it in the bio, but we started building skis in 2009, um, and we saw we incorporated the business in 2013, and we really saw that there was an unmet need, especially in New England, for uh, both a brand that focused on a high quality laminate construction, so a race style ski. Uh, but with a little bit more of an all-mountain flair. And so that's how we started building and designing skis. And uh, we very quickly realized that personalization uh, was core to delivering the best product for people. So in order to, you need to understand a skier in order to build them the correct ski and, uh, and be able to personalize it with graphics. So really the only way to do that is to build all the skis in-house. So we set out with the goal of delivering the best ski days and the best product to people possible. And uh, we've built a factory and a system around building custom skis in order to meet that need. 
So last year I published a book titled Bigger Than This, um, in which I lay out eight traits that I saw startups embody on the way to turn into brands that people love. And one of those traits is, is individuality. And I talk about how customization is the best way to make a brand personable and to deeply connect with your audience. And even further, I discussed the idea of blending personalization and customization to create limited and often complete one-off products and how it works magic for any brand and your brand's tagline is custom to the core in in what ways do you customize your client's keys i mean how far do you actually go well it depends a little bit on the level right so we have three main product lines we have our limited edition skis which are sort of off the rack ready to go and you get all the sort of quality and design that goes into a parlor but without the personalization um, and then we have two levels of custom skis. So our most popular ski is a custom graphic ski, which is, allows you to change the outline, camber, construction, and graphics of the ski, uh, sort of within a set parameters, designs that we use a lot that we know work well. Um, and then we also offer our Raven series or black label, uh, which is a full custom experience. So with that, uh, you get to control every detail of the ski, outline, camber profile, construction, side cut, length, uh, graphics, materials, sort of the whole nine yards. So uh, it depends a lot on the needs of the skier and what they're looking for. Um, but all of our all of our skis are done through a personalized fit. Um, so I talk myself or my partner talks with all of our clients um, to make sure that they have uh, a ski that's both personalized and customized for their style um, and aesthetic. So really, each ski is built to order at Poller. Um, how do you keep prices to a still affordable manner while while growing your brand? I mean, it's been really, uh, there's a lot of pricing pressure in the in the hard goods market, especially retail, right? Um, yeah. We felt that we there are some custom builders that are much more expensive than we are. We've really worked hard uh, to stay direct to consumer to, to provide that level of personalization um, and, to, and to keep our skis as affordable as possible. I mean, they're not inexpensive, uh, right? But we feel we build with a higher quality and certainly more attention to detail. Um, and, you know, we provide a really good value on, on our skis. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly amazing because you let people like me come in for two days straight to actually build my dream skis that are exactly to my very own specs, where I will build the bases and cores and all the way to printing my customized, uh, my custom designed top sheets to sending and then finishing the sidewalls. It's actually rather affordable, right? It's like it, it, that entire experience is around 1500 bucks, where most top tier of the mill skis will run you around a grand. So it's really the same price plus 500 for the two day of schooling, which to me sounds like such a unique experience building your own skis hands on. Um, when did you have that epiphany to push customization so far to actually let your customers take over the shop. I mean, is that one of your biggest differentiators from other boutique ski makers? It seems very different. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, we, we have the largest ski building uh, class, if you will, in the country uh, by quite a bit. Uh, and it was uh, like a lot of things here. I mean, one of the key elements to Parlor is the community that exists around it, uh, which is largely based off our clients, but um, but also just sort of people who are passionate about the sport who, who are involved. And um, we took a page out of grain surfboards playbook. Uh, you know, we know the owners up there pretty well. It's a handmade wooden surfboard company in Maine where they, they offer class and they kind of urged us into it. And, 
and we resisted for a while because we didn't really know how we do it. Uh, and then we we had a group, a small group of people who really hounded us and wanted to come build skis. And so we let them do it and uh, and came up with a system and a program. And they had such an amazing experience that we decided to roll it out as a product. So it was really driven by, you know, our clients and, and communities desire to delve deeper and to understand how skis go together um, and create that sense of ownership and pride in that uh, that allowed us to uh, to develop that product. And, and I mean, you hit on something super important, community. It seems to me with, with, your, with your events, you, you have one event called Shop Night, um, and you actually invite people over just to watch you build skis, and they can sip whiskey and have a beer. Um, is it that community that, that, you, that you built over the years that spread the word organically with Polar, you know, like through those events, or was it actually with the help of a PR agency? Like, what was that big breakthrough moment? Was it was it all organic, or was it like a big a big you know article or something that really pushed Poller? No, I mean it comes. I mean we we love skiing here. We love talking about skiing. We you love better, skiers, <laughs> right? Well, but it's we do, and and I think that a lot of that sort of grassroots and organic growth. Uh, came from being very open and inviting to people and sharing that love and passion for the sport, right? Um, we sort of, we act as a resource for a lot of our clients. You know, we also provide a little bit of ski culture in Boston, right? You can come here and it smells like wax and there's ski videos on, yeah. and, you know, you can drink beer and tell lies about skiing. Um, <laughs> and and that's a big piece that, that, that draws that community together. So. I mean, it's a huge amount of our business is repeat and referral right now. Um, and, you know, we're very grateful for that. But I think it really comes from just wanting to really focusing on providing good client service, uh, building relationships with people, um, you know, and providing them with something that's different. I mean, nobody nobody goes wants to go back and buy a pair of vocals after they've been to the shop. Right. It's just not there's no reason to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so. Um, you know, that message is, has gotten out there and it's slow and it's hard work, um, you know, but we believe that if you, <clears throat> you know, if you care about what you're doing and, and you talk about that, honestly, the, the word is going to spread. It's about authenticity, right? I mean, you, you guys do it for, for the love of doing it and you come, you have that background. And so people can keep, people can sense that and they can, they can, you know, shoot the shit with you and, you know, and just, just share that stoke and be, be the real, you know, like, like hanging, hanging with, hanging with buddies basically that happen to, you know, build your skis. And that's, that's pretty cool for anyone who's, who's a real, who's a real dedicated skier. Right. So from a branding perspective, um, you know, obviously with, with skiing and snowboarding, you know, brand recognition is huge, right? You want everyone on the slopes to know what you're riding. Um, Paula is a little bit different. It's also extremely unique, and, but, but you want it to be a talking point when you're, when you're on the chairlift, right? Um, from, from a branding design perspective, which elements actually stay unchanged on Polar skis so that I immediately recognize that those are a pair of Polars. Even though you let people completely customize the skis, is there, is there some consistency from, from one pair to another? Uh, so all of our skis have a, a red base inlay that says Parlor on them. Um, black bases, which are the highest quality base with a red inlay, is sort of one of our signatures. Um, we don't require that our logo is on top of all the skis. Um, yeah. We really rely on the 
the sort of word of mouth again and the and the people wanting to talk about their product um and you know answering the well what are those or where did you get those you know um and having that sense of pride i think from the imagery standpoint, certainly the word parlor um, in our logo font is our most recognizable mark. I mean, that's what's on all of our hats and merchandise and stuff like that. Um, and that's what that's what lives on the base of the ski as well. So those are the things that we use. We also, uh, for people who are into the details, all of our skis have a hardwood sidewall, which is pretty unique in the market. We use a maple sidewall. Um, and so, you know, if you see a unique pair of skis, we also have a pretty uh, standard design aesthetic uh, in regards to the shape and the line of the tip and tails of the ski, although they change a little bit. Um, and so people who, uh, you know, who are familiar with the brand will will recognize the sort of shape and feel of a parlor ski, um, certainly if they're close by it. It's very cool. And and how, how hard is it, how difficult is it for you to keep owning like those details and those shapes? Isn't isn't like every season the big guys are coming out with something that, that might look similar? Or do you pretty much do you pretty much own this kind of style? Uh I mean I think yeah, I mean the big guys, you know, they move around a lot with with shapes and designs and you know, a lot of that is just, there's a lot of pressure to move new products and introduce new products. And a lot of that is just marketing stuff, right? I mean, we really believe that if you use the highest quality materials and you customize the fit, uh, you don't need a lot of flashy jazz to sell good skis and to make really high quality skis. Um, we just have a different sort of set of priorities. Um, I would argue that, you know, most of those, most of the big retail machine uh, does not have the and consumers best interests always in, in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, not that they're anti-consumer, right. But the pressures that are on them, uh, you know, to control their material cost and to move more units and to refresh their product line, um, you know, don't necessarily serve the need of providing the, you know, the best, most consistent product to the customer. Oh, for sure. For sure. And with Parler, is it's actually you and the co-founder. Are you, are you guys still hands-on? creating skis like do you still are you still going to the shop on a daily basis i'm in the factory every day yeah i don't i i, I fill in when i need to i uh i think it surprises some of the guys sometimes that i actually know how to do all the stuff <laughs> <laughs> but uh but i you know i teach a lot of the uh, tyler my partner and i teach all the classes um so one of us is always around for the class um and is hands-on for that Uh, I certainly fill in when there's help. I do most of my role now is um, is sales and, and marketing related, um, as well as sort of the day-to-day -day operations. Tyler runs the shop. Um, you know, we've got a couple of people that help in the office, you know, graphic design, PR, digital, et cetera. Um, and so most of my work is doing that, but um, oftentimes I'm down, I'm down the shop grinding skis or making sure a process is working right or fixing a machine. So we're, we're very involved in the business. It's, Mul it's multitasking. A company. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you have only been around for seven years, I believe, right? It seems like a long time, but when you say it that way, I guess it's only seven. <laughs> <laughs> so what are, what are your growth goals, if any, right? Like, will you expand or will you even franchise in the future? I mean, how far will Polar as a brand go? And, and how far do you guys actually want to go? Because bigger does not necessarily always mean better, as we know. Yeah, I mean, so we're very opportunity focused, right? Um, and, but our goal, we've been growing about uh, 30 to 40% year over year um, for most of those seven years. Uh, That's great. And yeah. 
that's, you know, we started small. Um, we've cash flow financed the whole business, right? So that's a very intentional decision on our part. Um, and we want to continue to grow to the scale where we can provide the quality and the service that we currently do to our clientele and maintain the community. So uh, we, we are building this business to run it. Uh, we love what we're doing. We're not, we're not sort of, there are lots of things we could do to sell more skis. Uh, and that's not necessarily our focus. We want to sell to the right people and we want to provide, um, you know, the right product. So we are going to continue to grow. We'd like to continue to scale. Um, but we don't have we don't have plans for, you know, bringing in a huge amount of investment and making sure there are parlors, uh, you know, everywhere. The, the world doesn't need another vocal or Rossignol or, or K2 in our opinion, but but they do need, you know, more specialized, personalized um, companies like Parlor. Amen. <laughs> um, on your on your website, it says our skis enable you to go beyond your very own. Uh, sorry, go beyond your own expectations. We craft confidence, confidence to go a little faster and a little further. So you you really use language to bond and to create that stoke to talk skiers language, which for you comes completely organic. Um, is do, do you write all of the copy? Because you said you kind of like put on more the marketing hat these days. Um, and, and do you have a set of rules or is it really just you guys changing it up whenever you feel like it needs it needs a little pizzazz? Yeah, I mean, so I do some of the copywriting. We've been really lucky to work with some good consultants over the years. Um, and some of our digital marketing guys are very talented in that front. Uh, so, I mean, it, again, it's, I mean, you work, I mean, the, a lot of that is just, you know, authenticity. I mean, we sit down and I, I would say we don't have like, we don't have, I mean, we do have brand guidelines, but not in the way that a lot of companies do. Right. Um, you know, we sit down as a group a couple times a year and we talk about, uh, you know, who, who we are as a brand right now, uh, are all of our outlets supporting that, Right. What do we want to be doing? What do we care about? Um, you know, and what's refreshing. And a, a lot of times, you know, these themes of passion for the sport and quality engineering and, you know, delivering a better product and experience to our client sort of always come up. Um, and so when you look at language like crafting confidence or, or pushing people to go further, right, like like if you have the right product, you will have a better day on the snow. Right. It's like it's the difference between, um, you know, uh, pants that fit and pants that don't fit, right? Like if your pants are too tight, you're going to have a bad day. Um, and you might not necessarily know that's why you're having a bad day, but, but you are. Yeah. Right. And so what we do is we sort of sit at that intersection between design and delivery of the product, which gives us a huge advantage, right? Because the people who are designing skis are uh, for the big companies are not connected to their consumers the same way we are. Um, you know, they get a design brief and they have to design a ski for, this condition or this market segment or this person, right? I mean, every ski we build is tailored for that individual, um, which just kind of puts our priorities in a totally different, uh, different alignment. Well, it's impossible for any company to be closer to its its audience than you are because you literally create every ski, you know, uh, you know, customized in one way or the other or to order. So, um, absolutely, I'm I'm actually very positively surprised that a that a that a brand like yours that is that is trying to stay small and is trying to really focus on that one product that you guys meet every year, every two years, and actually 
talk about what your brand stands for and and really the values of the brand and I think that's really refreshing because we you know I keep I keep using the word organic right like all of this is just kind of falling into place but but it isn't and and I love that you you kind of stop at times and and go back to like what's the big you know Simon Sinek's why right like what's the why behind this company um I think it's really refreshing to see you guys do that um what what does what does branding mean to you? I mean, we're kind of in the midst of that conversation now, but what does it mean to you? Uh, I mean, uh, branding is sort of the uh, it's the way that people view what you're doing, right? It's yeah. the way that your uh, your activities and your products are sort of viewed by the world, um, and. I think that's an important distinction and something to think about, especially for, you know, marketers or younger marketers out there. Right. Um, you know, you have an image of what, or most founders, right. Or, or people who are deeply involved in a company have an image of what they're, what they're doing and what it looks like. And it's very difficult sometimes to flip that around and say, okay, what are people actually seeing? How is this perceived? And are those two things aligned? Um, and I think, you know, that, there are two challenges. One is sort of finding your vision and being true to that. Uh, and also being able to adapt that based on uh, what people want to see and, and how they want to perceive a brand. So I think it's, that's, that's how I would define it. No, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's, it's the idea of also stepping outside and looking back in and that's, that's really, really the difficult part. And, and you hit that nicely. Um, I've got a question that is a little bit about brand expansion, but it's, it's actually more of a, of, of a, of a personal question because of my fascination with the sport. So I started snowboarding, um, a long, 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 long time ago. Um, I actually built my own snowboard at the time because I, I couldn't afford buying one because they had like maybe, <laughs> maybe a hundred of them in Austria. <laughs> you know, it was like a long, long time right. ago. I was like six years old or something um and so in the, in the first 10 years there was this friction um skiers versus snowboarders right snowboarders are kind of like the young punks and the skateboarders on the slopes and they're just they're just not good for the mountain right they're 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 kind of like they're they're the bad guys on the mountain the troublemakers now Pollard just recently um I guess empowered one of your guys to like start building building snowboards and i, I think you guys are doing that now pretty officially so um do you do you see any friction in your community? Because you guys, I mean, your community is hardcore skiers, right? And a lot of them, I'm sure, at the price point are not like you know twenty year old somethings, and a lot of them are most probably have been around when when snowboarding and skiing was kind of like you know very very separated. Um, did you find any of that when you started introducing snowboarding uh, snowboards, or is that so long gone and we're all kind of like getting along these days? No, I mean, there's still a tension, right? But again, you got to remember the thing that the thing that unites parlor customers is their love for uh, sliding on snow, right? And yeah. also being outdoors and being with their friends and family. And, you know, those things are sort of universal. Um, I, I mean, there is a there is a little bit of tension still between the communities, uh, but I think it's become very, very sort of lighthearted at this point. Um, certainly within our shop, there's there's some banter about it. But you know, I, I really view Parlor um, in a lot of ways as a carving company, right? Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, we make longboards, we make skis, we make snowboards. You know, there's we've certainly played around with surfboards. You know, kiteboarding is sort of exploding right now. I don't, you know, anything where we can add value and create a better product, um, I think sort of falls under the Parlor umbrella. 
Um, and so, you know, as we're sort of expanding the brand, um, and we were always looking at these different op options and opportunities, right? I mean, snowboarding was the obvious next step. Yeah. Um, and it's been really successful. I mean, again, we don't, we don't build park skis, right? And we don't build park snowboards, right? Like our snowboard design is very inspired by surfing, right? It's sort of a throwback mm -hmm. to an earlier day in the sport. It's about how you interact with the mountain and creating tools that allow you to do that more efficiently and, and in more creative ways. Um, you know, and uh, again, there are lots of companies that make great park skis and great park boards, but that's not re really where we sit in the market. Um, and also, they, I mean, there are a lot of jerks who are skiers too, right? So, oh yeah, like them, <laughs> uh, right? Any more than the jerk snowboarders, and um, you know, we again, we we filter that those people don't really gravitate towards our brand, and so we don't really have to worry about it very much. Yeah, yeah, it's on the mountain or off the mountain, right? There are jerks and there are others, yeah. right? And you build a community around, uh, you know, the others. So um, I have a lot of a lot of investors, a lot of entrepreneurs um, listening to this, especially a lot of you know, like young entrepreneurs, meaning not age, but the age of the company, right? They're just they're just getting into it. They're playing the startup game, which you and I both played at some point. Um, do you have a piece of brand advice for for any founders as a as a takeaway of like how how they should create their brand and what what should be important for them in the first uh, maybe like couple months or year? Uh, I mean, I I think this applies to all business ventures, and and I talk about it a lot, um, especially if I'm doing mentoring or anything like that. I mean, you do not be paralyzed by not having all the pieces. My sort of word of advice is just always be doing something um, and don't overcommit until you know it's going to work, right? So my favorite example of this is there was an executive at TripAdvisor um, several years ago who, uh, if somebody came to him and wanted to develop a, a product uh, for their website, he would give them the button, but not the product. And if they got <laughs> enough clicks on the button, he'd allow them to build a product. Um, And I think that is just like, I remember learning that in business school and being like, that makes total sense, right? Like yeah. who cares if you piss off 25 people who, uh, who click on your button and you tell them they got to wait, right? Totally. Like it's a much bigger deal to, you know, build a ski or build a product line or develop a whole company around something that nobody cares about without, you know, like you can put up a website right now in like, like two days and for a hundred bucks, yeah. right? Like if you have an idea, put it out there. Put a buy button on and then just tell people you're sold out after they click on it. And if a bunch of people click on it, you got an idea and go run with it. And, you know, like you don't have to raise 10 million bucks to figure out if you have a good idea or not. You know, just start doing stuff. Don't quit your job. Learn, fail fast and then uh, be able to be fluid enough to make make uh, you know adaptations along the way. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's really great advice, and I, it's it's interesting because I'm sure that you guys do the same thing with just shaping your skis and trying different things and just like putting it out in the slopes and seeing if it sticks. And if it sticks with enough people, you you know maybe it's a new line. Um, so listeners who like the idea of owning a pair of Paula skis and really who wouldn't, um, where should they head to learn more? Uh, the website parlorskis.com. Uh, we're also on uh, Instagram and Facebook. We're at Parlor Skis. And um, you're, anybody's welcome to call me. Call or text 413-884-4747. 
um, anytime or, or put an inquiry in through the website. So those are definitely the best places, but, uh, I'm happy to talk to anyone anytime about skiing, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, awesome. we're very accessible here. So reach out. Yeah. Yes, you are. Because, uh, thank, thank you for accepting my cold outreach via LinkedIn to be on my show. You know, it was, it was such a guilty pleasure to have you here. And I think, I might have to book a weekend to build my own board in New England with you soon. Uh, you also do boards during those hands-on sessions, right? Uh, that's correct. We do. Uh, we're offering build your own uh, boards and split boards this this uh, this year. So Very those cool. are. We've got a couple slots left. The classes are pretty full. We have been sold out with the class for the last uh, three years. So um, we're coming into our first class is actually Thursday night. Um, and then we have a weekend build this weekend as well. So we have a couple slots open in August. And uh, if you're around, reach out and uh, and we're happy to, to slot you in. Awesome. Very cool. Um, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I, I appreciate it. Um, and I, I hope you enjoyed uh, the Parler story and got some inspiration out of it. I sure I sure have. And uh, I'm, I'm thanking you, Mark, for being here. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Cool. If you guys um, enjoyed the show, please hit that subscribe button and give the show a quick rating. This podcast was brought to you by Pocket Note, a new site that helps founders and entrepreneurs find thoughtful, succinct answers to their startup questions. You can learn more, read through the topics, or submit your own question at pocketnote.co. The Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by the one and only Happiness One. I will see you in two weeks when we once again will be hitting the mark. <laughs>